Hey everybody, I'm Amber. And I'm Maggie. And this is Crime Country. Today we're in Illinois. Illinois <laughs> is where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so used to the first time we went through the states and every time I would start with just saying the state name and then I would yeah. start reading my thing and I was like, Illinois is the 54th largest state or whatever, you know? Uh, 54th. Is that something I said? <laughs> There's not 54 states. Um, <laughs> I just clicked for me. <laughs> um, so some random facts about Illinois. The Sears Tower in Chicago is the tallest building in America. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you'd guess New York, right? <clears throat> yeah. Nope, Sears Tower in Chicago. I'm sure anyone who spent like any time in Chicago is like, uh, yeah, duh. Yeah, you're dumb. <laughs> but uh, neither of us have been to Chicago. I've been in the airport. Oh, you know what? I've been in the Chicago here airport, but I've never like explored or been outside of the airport. So, excuse me. Um, I don't think I have either. I've driven through Illinois and I've gone to the Six Flags in Illinois. But I don't oh. think it's in Chicago, so yeah. Um, yeah. So I've only been to Chicago one time when I had a layover in the Chicago O'Hare Airport, and it was the spiciest chicken wings I've ever eaten in my entire life. <laughs> like tears running down my face oh my gosh. the whole time, and I was just like, "No, I'm eating them." You're like, "I'm so hungry. I'm gonna eat this anyways." And I was like 19, so I was like, this isn't going to fuck up my stomach, and they're delicious. So I just fucking went to town and ate the spiciest chicken wings ever. They were amazing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Illinois was... Am I saying Illinois normal? Yeah. Every time I read Illinois... Illinois? I, yeah, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. No, I think you're saying it right. You got quieter. I started talking a little quieter. Maybe that's it. I think it's that thing with, like, nothing to do with the audio. Just our connection goes quieter on your end occasionally. Uh, probably. So it'll come back. Um, so anyways, Illinois was the first state to ratify the 13th Amendment of the Constitution and abolish slavery. Oh. Well done, Illinois. Yeah. The first McDonald's was built in Illinois. Ooh, McDonald's, the first one... Yeah. In Illinois. And now it's worldwide. Like everywhere yeah. has McDonald's. All of the places. Yeah. Literally all of the places have McDonald's. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, McDonald's is everywhere. <laughs> um, Illinois produces more nuclear energy than any other state in the United States. Really? Yeah. According to Google. That's interesting to me. I know, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> it kind of makes sense because Illinois is also like 80% farmland, so they can have just huge nuclear plants. See, I didn't realize that at all, so I would have never thought that. Like, when I think of Illinois, I don't think of farmland. I think of like... Chicago. Yeah. And I... I think it's a big city. <laughs> I forget Chicago's in Illinois because I've driven through parts of Illinois that are, yeah. are farmland and it's super flat huh. boring farmland for most of Illinois but then they have Chicago 
they probably have some other big cities i don't know yeah but um because of chicago it is the did i put this in my notes uh no i guess i didn't so it's like the fifth most populated state in, a, in the u.s oh wow just because of chicago well i i it, i mean it, it didn't say sense. that but that's what i'm assuming because behind yeah. like new york california texas i don't know the other one and then illinois because chicago oh. is like a huge city i can see that which is funny how if i'd never been to illinois i'd be like chicago you know like you that's yeah. what you think is like chicago but i've been to like just the farmlands of illinois so i forget chicago's even there because i'm just like oh it's one of the middle states that i've driven through it's one of the middle states (laughs) like south dakota and minnesota and like illinois but yeah um yeah so that's interesting uh one of the state nicknames for illinois along with like the windy city is the land of lincoln land of lincoln because um that's where abraham lincoln started his political career or something but interestingly enough abraham lincoln was not actually born in illinois ronald reagan was the only president to have been born in illinois and i heard the windy city is actually not because of how windy it is in chicago it's um from an article in like the 19 I didn't put this as one of my facts because I was like, I'm like I just didn't pick that one. But I don't remember what year. 1950s maybe. 19 something. 19 early 1900s, early to mid 1900s. There was an article written about Chicago about how all the politicians were just blowing air, uh, <laughs> and so it was the windy city because they were oh. all just fucking lying. And so it's not even about it being so windy there, even though it is. Um, it's about the politics. But Illinois is a very, very flat state as well. My last fact about Illinois that I actually wrote down, um, because I didn't write down that it was one of the flattest states and the highest point's like 1,200 feet or something. What? Yeah. Really? I didn't write it down. So I can't tell you the exact number, but it's one of the flattest states. Hmm. Um, because I feel like I might have touched on that last time we were in Illinois. Maybe. So I, I was like, I shouldn't put that in my notes. Um, but anyways, the last fact about Illinois I have is that the tallest man ever documented was born in Alton, Illinois. Alton, Illinois. I said that really Utah. Alton. Alton, uh, Illinois. How tall was he? His name was Robert Pershing Wadlow. Guess how tall he was. Tallest man ever documented. Uh, shoot. I don't even know. Like, realistically, uh, like, just thinking about how tall a human could be, what would you guess? Seven foot eight inches? Eight feet eleven inches tall. What the shit? Tallest man ever documented was almost nine feet tall. That's like as tall as some ceilings in homes. Yeah, my entire house. But (laughs) (laughs) my entire house has nine foot ceilings and he would be touching them with the top of his head. That's fucking nuts. That's so crazy. Like, he has had to duck through every door well he ever w- walked through. He probably had to duck in most homes he stood in. Yeah, and he probably had to had custom-made everything. Yeah, and he probably died young, because the 
so not healthy, and I don't know what years he lived, but None. yeah, eight feet eleven inches tall. Wow, that's insane. That's huge. Yeah, that's so tall. Yeah, okay, and I'm just like a little guy. <laughs> no, right? Both so of us. That's, that's real fucking tall. I'm five foot one. Amber's four foot eleven and three quarters. Five feet. <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole like four feet taller than me. Yeah. That's like a double stack of me. Yeah. Almost. Like <laughs> that's like a double stack. Cut you off at the ankles. It's two of you. Like <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That's oh. crazy. Yeah. Jeez. I can't even. My house was built for him. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the house <laughs> I'm moving out of because it's too much house. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of house. <laughs> Okay, so we're in Illinois. Okay, um, before we get into Illinois, have you been? You went to Friendsgiving in Colorado. So, um, Friendsgiving was so much fun. It looks like However, there was a few hiccups. So, <laughs> did you first- make green beans? So, no, I didn't end up making green beans because someone else was making green bean casserole. So, like, it was stupid for me to make green beans. So I didn't make green beans. I ended up making this snicker caramel apple salad. As someone who doesn't like green beans that much, that sounds like the better choice. hundred <laughs> percent. That sounds was, so good. It was freaking delicious. So, and it's super easy. What What is it? So it's Granny Smith apples, like diced up. My favorite Snicker apple. bars, diced up. And then... Um, pudding and cool whip and you just literally like mix that all up and it's delicious and do you refrigerate it yeah you refrigerate it um and that way it kind of sets a little bit so the pudding is like good um yeah oh my god that sounds so good it was so good spencer wouldn't like it he doesn't like granny smith apples because he's a weirdo well it was delicious it sounds delicious well, that sounds delicious. But what was the um, issue? So the first hiccup was I was driving to the airport on Thursday and little old me didn't decide to check my flight or anything before I left the house. Oh, no. So like for whatever reason, while I'm driving to the airport, I'm like, fuck, I need to check my flight. Like uh, I just got this weird feeling. Yeah, And I was like, I need to make sure everything's good. So I pull up my email and it's like, sorry, your flight didn't go as planned. Here's this $50 voucher. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I'm my like, flight hasn't happened yet. How did it not go as planned? I'm like, wait, what? what's going on here? So I go back to my email and I'm like, oh shit. So then I find this email and my fucking flight got canceled. And it got canceled like at 10 o'clock in the morning. And my flight went out at 3.20 or no, like 4.30 or 5.30, 5.40, somewhere around there. So, like, they gave me all day to figure it out. However, I was busy doing other stuff, like getting ready. Like, I wasn't paying attention. And I was just like, cool. Oh, my gosh. That um, sucks. So, I'm driving to the airport. And I'm like, shit. So, then I text Felicia. And I'm like, hey, uh, what the fuck? My flight just got canceled. And so... The email was like, here's a couple of options. Like, we'll give you this amount of money to rebook within 72 hours, or you could get a full refund or this or that. And so I started looking at flights and I ended up rebooking with another airline. 
um, for a stupid amount of money. It was $247, but the airline said that they're going to reimburse me up to 250 bucks. So I should get all of my money back. And That's if I good. don't, then that fucking sucks. But um, so that was the first hiccup. Yeah, but- that sucks. That's stressful. And what if like that was your return flight? You know, like oh, you had to be God. home to go to work the next day and you're like, oh, oh, my flight got canceled. I think about it every time I travel by air. because I'm like, what if what would I do if I'm just like stuck? In this yeah. city that I don't live in. <laughs> like, holy shit. I was freaking panicking and I was like, shit. So when I got to the airport after I rebooked, I go to the uh, desk at my original airline and I'm like, hey, I just need to make sure that my return flight is still intact. And the lady's like, oh, well, normally when they uh, cancel and like reimburse you, cancel it's all everything. canceled. Mm. And I'm like, uh, well, I'm going to need you to check that because the email was strictly like a one-way flight. So, yeah. um, but thankfully, it was just my flight out that got canceled. So, my return flight was intact. Everything was good. Uh, so, that was the first hiccup. So, instead of getting to uh, Colorado at 9 p.m., I got there at 1230 in the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which was fine, whatever. And instead of having a straight shot, I had a freaking layover, which was stupid, but whatever. Oh, that uh, sucks. We had that happen when uh, I was going to my cousin's wedding with a three-month-old. Oh, no. And no matter what, going to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Michigan from Utah, you have to have a layover because yeah. there's no major airports in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So you have to fly into a major airport and then you have to get on a tiny airplane to fly that's why i've been to the chicago o'hare airport but um we me and my sister booked together and you're flying with a kid under two you don't have to buy them a ticket if they're gonna be in your lap and it's like she's three months old she literally doesn't need a seat so cool but also you're flying with a fucking three-month-old and so we like checked her stroller and her car seat yeah because they're like no cost you can just ask them to put them on the front of the plane but if there's too many bags they just check them for you so they checked our car seat and whatever and we just are like carrying her and when we get to the airport my dad and my stepmom happened to be on the same flight as us even though they booked separately and nice yeah so that was cool and we fly into like the first location and then there was issues with our second flight or something i don't even remember at this point but i was arguing with them and i was like no like i'm not gonna be laid over in fucking illinois overnight without my bags with a fucking newborn like oh yeah a three no month old way and so they were like we can get you on this flight but me and my sister booked together like i booked both of our flights and yeah. um my dad and my stepmom were booked separately and apparently they didn't tell them that also. So oh. me and my sister get on this flight to Marquette, Michigan, and there's a bunch of empty seats, but they somehow didn't get my dad and stepmom on it with us, even though they were literally physically with us at the airport, like right oh there. My gosh. And so th- since our flight that we had originally been booked for was delayed, our baggage got delayed. So we get into Marquette and we have nothing. I don't have a fucking car seat. Oh, 
because it was a carry-on, but they checked it to get it out of their fucking space. So Uh. now we're in Marquette. My car seat that I brought with me is in Illinois or what, like Chicago, and it's not going to be here until tomorrow afternoon with my dad and my stepmom. And it's like cool, but like I can't drive from Marquette, Michigan to Ishpeming, Michigan. 30 miles with a three-month-old without a car seat and we're renting a car so then we had to rent a fucking car seat but this is Uh. this tiny airport in upper peninsula of michigan no one's rented a car seat from there in years so all the car seats are old as shit which is they expire car seats expire within like five years of being made And so, like, there's, like, this foam stuff under the padding, and it's all, like, disintegrating and shit. So I just had to, like, go in the back room and try and pick the best car seat for my three-month-old. It was very stressful. It Uh, all worked out in the end, and she was fantastic. But that shit's crazy. It was so stressful. stressful. Oh, my God. And I was like, thankfully I have formula in my carry-on. Which right? they had Thank to, like, God. test for drugs. And I was like, I'm holding a three-month-old. Come on. <laughs> now I don't know if, like, well, your test compromised her. For- I know, but, like, do I want to feed my child formula that someone dipped a stick into to test? You never know. People are <sighs> fucked up. Yeah, but it was fucking stressful. Traveling with kids, fuck. Yeah, traveling alone. Yeah. Not even with kids is stressful. Thankfully, so, I had my happen. sister. And so, and on only one kid, like a tiny yeah. baby that everyone, like everybody loves tiny babies and they're so easy. I can't imagine traveling with toddlers. No, thank you. Nope. Don't want to do it. Yeah. I will find I... a babysitter or not travel is where I'm at for the next couple years at least. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. They would be a handful. Oh my God. Anyways, sorry. But. So, thankfully, I didn't have that much craziness on my flight, but I made it, whatever, all was well. So, then, that was on Thursday, and then Friday, I took PTO, and I just binge-watched Netflix all day. Yeah, um, Felicia's house? Yeah. That's a fantastic vacation. Like, no it was, obligations. It was amazing. Uh, and so, Binge-watched what? Sorry. So I watched um, the Netflix show Made. Oh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot oh of good God, things. So good. Is it going to um, make me cry? I feel like it'll make me cry. Uh, that one, parts of it made me cry, but not. Well, no, that one didn't really make me cry. But it is like a, it is a. Well, it's like a mom story, right? Yeah. Mom stuff makes me cry so bad ever since I had kids. Like, like stupid. It'll probably make you cry. But um, that one didn't particularly make me cry. But it's part of the reason why I feel like such a dick for the next story that I'm going to tell you. Oh, I can't Um, wait. uh, So I watched that. And then we started uh, Virgin River. on. That's also a Netflix original. Oh, my God. I don't know that one. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. I binge-watched three seasons between being at Felicia's house and then coming home. I binge-watched three seasons, and I cried so much. I don't like watching shows that make me cry. Oh my god, Virgin River. 
I literally, I'm, I'm pretty positive that I cried for something every fucking episode. It was ridiculous. Is it an um, old timey one? No, it's not really old timey, but there's just like a lot that happens and I'm just like an emotional person. So I'm just like, oh my God. I didn't used to be and now I am. And so I'm like, give me comedies, period. I'm okay with like comedies have touching moments occasionally and make me cry. But like, no, (laughs) if it's just like a tearful show, I'm probably not going to watch all of it because I just don't have the emotional energy. You should probably not watch Virgin River then because, (laughs) um, yeah, I fucking cried a lot, but I couldn't stop watching it. So, um, anyways, next story that makes you feel like an asshole. I can't. Yeah, wait. <laughs> dude, I I feel like a complete piece of shit now that I think about it. However, I don't feel like a piece of shit at the same time. So, I'm not going to use names for this next part just because I highly doubt they listen, but I'm just going to not use yeah, names for to for not be an asshole dick. Call them Jack um, and Sally. Okay. Hi. Hey. Thank you. The vodka. Okay. So Jack and Sally. So Nightmare Before Christmas. All right. So Jack and Sally, they're at Friendsgiving. And the whole night, I'm wearing this normal outfit. Okay. Let's give the listeners a little bit of background. So you're at Friendsgiving with your oldest friend since you were like six years old. Right? Yes. So my oldest friend, um, best friend since first grade. She like, still lives in Colorado where yes. Amber grew up. Yep. And she's now married and she does a yearly Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving yes. like a week, week and a half before Thanksgiving with all of her closest friends. Yes. Amber hasn't been able to make it for, well, she's been doing it for like six years. This was her fifth year. Okay. So, so she's been doing it for five years. Five- and this is my first time going. Um, which makes sense, totally. And Aaron couldn't make it. He was working. Yeah, he had Aaron to travel for work it. and stuff. So Amber had to go all by herself. Yeah, I guess that backstory is is necessary for the story. I know that so, about you, but other people don't. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I'm going. I went to Friendsgiving by myself. So my husband's not there. So I'm quote unquote this single girl by myself because everybody else is there with like their spouse or significant other or whatever. Um, And so I had just got this cute, super cute sweater that I was super stoked to wear. And it's like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain the back of it, but it's like. I saw a picture of you hugging Felicia's mom tagged on Facebook and. So it's like a knit pink, like a heavy knit, like a thick, heavy knit sweater in the front and it's long sleeves. But then the back is like two separate pieces of material came off the sleeves and they're like, like looped, looped around each other in the back. So it's like a skinny back crisscrossed together. So it's like a crop top back. Just the back yes. is like just a adorable it was so cute i saw the picture and i was like um that sweater is amazing yeah so like you could see my back skin (laughs) my back skin my back skin (laughs) yeah um but it was super cute and it was super tasteful like it's not like i was wearing something like slutty or whatever it was super tasteful it's not like you had 
cleavage or like I'm fucking flat chested. I didn't like it wasn't like it wasn't like a fucking bikini top. It was like a low back sweater, basically. Yeah. So, anyways, it was fucking adorable, and I was obsessed with it. And it was the first time I got to wear it, so I was like all about it. Um, No, I noticed it in the pictures, and I was like, "That's super cute." Yeah. Like as soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, "I want that sweater." And the best part about it is I got it for $6. Heck yeah. At freaking Plato's Closet, baby. Um, I also think it's a flat-chested person sweater. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I would have looked better if I had boobs, but Yeah, but you're assuming your boobs are going to stay in place. And if you have boobs, they don't. And then they pull everything out. You need a bra if you have boobs. Well, I wore a bra. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I just didn't think you could with that sweater. No, I wore a strapless bra. Oh, okay. It's I like it covered enough of my back to cover that part of the bra, but like I couldn't it kind of went off the shoulders so I couldn't have the straps. I I thought you wouldn't be able to wear one with that. But No, okay. I did. Okay, cool. Um <laughs> anyways, so I'm wearing this cute little outfit whatever with jeans. So jeans and my cute little sweater. Did you and, get a cute picture of yourself in that outfit? Uh no, I don't think I have like a full body one. No. Okay. Well, um if you want to put it back on and take a picture, I can post it with our show notes, like with our social media posts for this episode. Okay. Yeah, if, if you I, want to. I just have a like front picture that you can't really see but not the back um anyways so you're looking adorable so because amber's adorable and like really young and looking and i mean like young also we're not old (laughs) she just looks young but she's an old hag no i mean we're just kidding we're 30 you're 31 yeah, I'll be 32 the day after Christmas, baby. I'm 32, so I can't say we're 32. Early 30s. Basically. Not old people, but also not, like, young people. And Amber's just tiny and adorable and does a lot of spin classes and is... They're my favorite. The cutest person you've ever seen in your life, basically. So she's oh, in this gosh. cute little backless dress sweater thing. So it was pretty cute. So who got mad about your outfit, Amber? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Sally, I guess my my outfit was too provocative and I was being too sexy around her boyfriend or husband. I don't know. What, you I don't know. Fucking whore. Um, but I was just flaunting around apparently being too sexy. How and- dare you show your fucking shoulder blade? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was fucking weird. So anyways, Sally all night is just fucking taking jabs at me. and Like what? Like telling me that like I don't want to be with her man or whatever. Like leave her man alone. Or, and then she was accusing her, Jack of like following me around and trying to like get with me. And I'm like, dude, that is not a thing. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do that. What the fuck? Like that's. But apparently, apparently the that apparently Jack was coming on a little strong, but and I she wasn't, should be like, fucking interested? pulling him aside and talking to him, not you. Fuck that shit. If you're dating a sleaze bag who's hitting on other girls in front of you, 
fuck him, not her. She didn't do anything. Yeah, and Just, I, if I, guess I was like oblivious to this because I'm like, nah, bro, no. That's like, not happening. But other people like apparently were like, uh, yeah, he was trying to bang her all night or whatever. Um, Which is not on you at all. Just because someone found you attractive. Uh, but so anyways, she's just like saying comments to me all fucking night. And then as the night goes on, you know, we're having cocktails. We're having Friendsgiving. We're chilling. We're playing darts. And so it's me, Sally, and another dude, not her boyfriend, but um, another guy that was at Friendsgiving. We're playing darts. And, you know, I'm super competitive. However... Yeah. <laughs> However, I wasn't, I was being like low key competitive, like not even being mouthy, nothing. But the whole Well, because I also know you and you're more non confrontational than you are competitive. Yes. And so I know you're just going to like hang back if someone's coming at you unfoundedly, because I've literally been in that situation with you where you're like, what did I do and how can I fix it? And I'm like, you did nothing. Yeah. You can't fix it. Like, this is someone else's problem, not yours. So, yeah, I know how competitive you are, but, like, how much so you would avoid this situation. Yeah. So, she's just running her mouth and, like, we're playing darts and she's like, Amber, shoot the dart. Shoot the dart. La, la, la. I want to fight alpha. this bitch. I'm an alpha. I'm an alpha. And I'm like, I don't care if you're an alpha. I'm not scared of you. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't know where she was going with this alpha bullshit. I think it was basically because I think she it was thought literally I was like, to take her. You in. look at my man. I'm going to fight you is what she was going for. And you're like, um, I'm literally not interested in any way. Yeah. I don't so, even know what you're talking about at this point. Can I fight her, though? Like, me personally, because fuck this bitch. Don't fuck with my Amber. So, like, the whole fucking night, she's just jabbing me and, like, coming at me and just being ridiculous. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, shut up. Like, at one point, um, I Felicia was like, you literally told her, I don't care if you're an alpha. I'm not scared of you or something. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, it all happened so fast. But anyways, this is going on all night. And then on top of it, Sally tells everybody and their mother at this party that she's in this abusive relationship and that she has a plate in her face because her Jack that she's there with busted her face so she had to get her entire face reconstructed okay so, so this bitch is in an abusive relationship with a man who's literally attacked her to the point where she had to have a metal plate implanted into her head yes. but she goes to a friend dinner with strangers and well her, i'm the only stranger well, i mean i'm sure she doesn't know everyone there that well i think she knew everybody there but not super well. I have friends like that where it's like, oh, I see them once a year. We're not friends. They're still pretty much strangers. Anyways, so she goes to this dinner with people and her abusive boyfriend. And her abusive boyfriend, who's not only physically abusive, but obviously mentally abusive, is making it very obvious that he's physically attracted to someone else, which is abusive. That's fucking... A form of abuse, trying to belittle the woman you're with and make her think that she's less than the other woman. 
But instead of her acknowledging that he's been physically abusive to her, and now he's being emotionally abusive to her, she's blaming that random person that happens to be pretty for his actions and his thoughts and his vocalizations or whatever. Whether or not that woman's interested in any way, shape, or form, it's her fault. So now she's going to treat that woman like a piece of shit. She's going to be, like, aggressive towards that woman slash you all night telling you she's the alpha basically being like i could kick your ass if you step to me and you're like i'm not afraid of you because i don't want to fight you i don't care like whatever beef this is with me and then she's telling everybody else like oh yeah he's a piece of shit he already has a metal metal plate in my head because of that why are you with this man why are you here and why do you care who he's attracted to you that's attracted to that's not you yeah exactly this guy but also fuck this girl yeah so basically all this is going on all night and so i guess at some point she kept talking so much shit and i just was an asshole and basically i think i still don't even know exactly what i said because i had had some alcohol and i don't know exactly what happened however along the lines of me saying something like i I don't want your man. I'm not fucking stupid. And that was an asshole thing of me to say. That was an asshole thing of me to say. No. Yes. No. No. (laughs) So I'm I'm beating myself up over it. Even though though she asked for it all fucking night. You're prancing around telling everybody about your personal business. And like, I'm clearly not just saying, I don't want your man. I'm not fucking stupid could be implied a lot of ways like i'm not stupid and wouldn't be with that fucking piece of shit or it could be like i'm not stupid and i don't want to cross you which is the point she was trying to get across to you all fucking night so fuck her fuck them you literally were just trying you had made no effort for them to act the way they were towards you it gets better Oh, good. What happened next? So after I made my comment, like, I'm not stupid, like, whatever, she comes out and she tries to lay a swing on me and she almost punches me in the face. Like, she, I'm pretty sure she grazed my face, but thankfully, uh, one of the other guys playing darts with us, like, grabs her and is like, okay. And then the other guy playing darts goes in the house and is like, the one girl hit the other girl and then everybody rushes the garage and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And I, I was panicked because I, I, You're don't, like, I don't even like, know what happened. Like, like, she, didn't, she didn't lay a hit on me. And if, yeah. she did, if she did, I was just like, I don't understand what's happening right now. That was so quick. So uh, I was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been running my mouth. I immediately go into like apologizing. Yeah, and I'm like, because I'm sorry. Because you were putting up with it all night and you barely said anything. And it wasn't yeah, like I don't she know, interpreted but, what you said in one way. Like you were but, calling her stupid. But, it's but like, when I think of it, it no, kind of seems like I was. Because I hear it and I'm like, either you're, you, you could interpret it the way saying like, she's stupid for being with him. Because she is. Or you could interpret it as like, I'm not stupid. I'm not fucking with a guy in a relationship while I'm married at my friend's house. Like that. Yeah. Like honestly, 
That makes so much sense. Like, yeah, yeah, like I'm not like stupid. I'm not starting shit on a fun night. Like, ugh. Yeah. Some people are just drama, fun. and the people who are in abusive relationships lean towards that type of drama for excitement in their lives. So, don't blame yourself. Don't feel bad about this. Don't even fret on it any more than you have at this point. Just no, make like, sure they're first, not there if you go to Friendsgiving again. <laughs> no, I don't think – I think that they're basically going to cut them out of their lives because this isn't the first time. And my incident with this woman is not the only incident that that couple had brought to the evening. Well, um, and apparently he's fucking physically abusive towards her and she doesn't care that much. So fuck them. Like, fuck that shit. Like, she needs help for sure. Yeah, but they both need, they both need if she's just taking out in a violent manner towards other people, nope, not okay. Yeah, so that happened, and I was like, oh, shit. And then the whole time, I'm still, like, in my head about it, and I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. That was a dick move. Like, I should have just kept my fucking mouth shut. But whatever. I said what I said. Whatever it was, I don't know exactly even what I said, but it was something along those lines, and apparently I pissed her off, but I was even asking. someone who knows Amber, it literally couldn't have been worse than that, because Amber's literally not picking fights with anyone ever. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm really not a fighter, but I even, I even asked all the guys in the, the garage, I'm like, was I out of line? Like, did I say something wrong? And they were like, you were literally just like speaking the truth like you like she was saying all this stuff I basically like, like asking for it me and you were pretty similar in our like passiveness when it comes to direct conver- confrontation yeah because as outspoken as i am when i talk about it later i'm not when it's happening yeah but i'm more likely to be in the moment than you and even then, like, it's not going to be anything bad. So I doubt you've said anything worse than what you think you said. Like, I'm not I hope stupid. not because, like I said, I had been drinking all day and she was just jabbing me all fucking night. No, she was jealous of you. All night. Hold on. Don't feel bad about that situation at all. I know you and I know when you're competitive, you can get more outspoken. But even then, you're never, like, starting fights. Like, it's literally just, like, you actually stand up for yourself. And I literally wasn't even, like, being competitive in darts because I fucking sucked that night. So, like, I really wasn't even being super competitive. Uh, No, I'm sure you literally were just, like, standing up for yourself and just being like, dude, I'm not trying to fuck your boyfriend. And she oh, was just and like, I took a shot of I took a shot of whiskey with him, so that was that oh, was what really over the edge. <laughs> yeah, freaking skank. No, like she sounds like fucking drama. Um. So yeah, that was fun. But no, all in all, I had a really great time, and um, yeah, it was awesome. And Good. despite the drama and me almost getting laid out. Uh, <laughs> Had she was, been able to land a punch? It was super fun. No, I'm I'm super thankful that she didn't actually like get a good one on me. Like I think she might have grazed my like cheek or my my throat or something. Uh, but I I don't know. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? I didn't understand because I heard her like say my name, and then she was just like at, coming at me, and I'm just like, oh fuck. 
what happened. I don't that know. makes me really angry. But as I don't know. someone who I'm, just like wants to protect I'm, you all the time, like, I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I should have shouldn't have been running my mouth. No, immediately. You, That's like where she I went. was all night. She was being a bitch. She was calling you a fucking slut all night, basically. And then you're the Low one key, that ended yeah. up feeling bad. Like, no, fuck that shit. You didn't do anything wrong. You're a married woman who literally wouldn't have acted differently if her husband had been in the room. You weren't flirting with him. You weren't hitting right. on him. You weren't trying to get with her shitty-ass boyfriend. Like, nope, no thanks. I'm not interested. Sorry, you don't like that I'm prettier than you. Fuck that shit. Fuck her. I want to fight her. I'm not a fighter. I literally wouldn't fight her. But I would talk a lot of fucking shit if we were drunk in the same room. So she yeah. better watch out for that non-existent situation. Okay. Well, fuck that bitch. I'll beat her up if we're ever in the same room. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll ever uh, be around her in my life again. So, um, But if you are, let me know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I'm going to tell you a true crime story now. Yeah, bring on the true crime, baby. All right, so July 2nd, 2017, Bloomington, Illinois. It's a beautiful summer afternoon, and the wonderful weather brought people to Funk's Grove Nature Preserve. Funk's Grove? Like, play that funky music? Yep, that's what it's called, Funk's Grove. <laughs> I don't know why uh, at all, but I also was like, Funk's Grove, huh. So all that's right. what it's called, Funk's Grove Nature Preserve. It's this beautiful... I like it nature preserve outside of Bloomington and there's good hiking paths and like beautiful nature and stuff so tons of people go there I think it's like a I don't know what to call it besides the nature <laughs> preserve I think they have planted a lot of beautiful plants that will grow in that type of climate, climate without a lot of work so okay. it's like this hiking path through just beautiful natural nature in Illinois, which is apparently really flat and not that hikey. So it's this beautiful nature preserve, Funks Grove, outside of Bloomington in July. So there's this couple and they're hiking and they're going up the trail and it's like a super worn trail because it's like a thing people go and do all the time in summer yeah and they see something off in the weeds right off of the hiking path and they're like what's that and it's bright red so they're like somebody leave a cooler so they're walking up the trail and they're getting closer and they're like it doesn't really look like a cooler and so they're getting closer and they're like oh what is this and they start to see like some skin color oh and then they get closer and they're like oh, there's a face, like that's a, a body in a red shirt. And so they get close enough and they're like, oh, there's blood, like call 911. Oh, so they, they stop where they're at. They call 911 and they're like, hey, we're at Funks Grove. We spotted a what we think is a body right off of the hiking path. And um, <clears throat> I still... I, I, <laughs> sound loud in my head sorry 
So they called in one and they're like, um, we think we see a body. I don't know if they're alive. Like, please send help immediately. And it's not that far out of the way. So they still had cell service and everything. And they send police immediately. So police get there and they're like, where is it at? And the couple's waiting for them. And they go and they're like, oh, yep, that's a body. And it was severely injured. And they find that the person is dead for sure. Oh my gosh. It's a woman and she was about five feet tall in her 40s and had a slight build. And she'd suffered from several stab wounds. And there was no way that she inflicted these injuries on herself. So they're like, this is a homicide. Man, we're getting right into it. No yeah. no backstory, just wham, bam, dead body. Yep. So this young couple had been hiking and they discovered the body of a 40-year-old murdered woman, basically. So the police could tell that she hadn't been there long. It was July and her body wasn't gross yet, basically. So she'd been there for 24 hours or less. And they were like, this is a super popular area. Like, it's not far out of the city. It's beautiful. It's summertime. People want to go hiking. Like, there's tons of people here all the time. And it's a well-tread hiking trail. And I say hiking lightly. It's like a walking trail through beautiful nature. And she was visible off of that trail. So they were like, she couldn't have been here long. So was she killed here or was she dragged here? And they saw some like embedded grass and they were like, I think she was dragged here, but they couldn't really tell. But they could tell by the stab wounds on her body that she couldn't have inflicted that much harm on herself. So it was not a suicide. Someone had murdered this woman. Yeah. And like if people don't just stab the shit out of themselves for a suicide. Yeah, and it was 6 p.m. on July 3rd that she was found. And, I mean, it's not like people were coming and going all day, every day here. But there was multiple people coming and going. So it's like someone would have heard something. So, yeah. So they're like, how did this body get here? Um, So they searched her body. There was no wallet. There was no purse. There was no identification on her. They found a necklace that was a little specific that maybe someone would be able to identify. And they, she had a tattoo on her body that said, Leo's Lady. Oh. And they were like, okay, like we don't know who this person is. It's Leo's Lady. It's Leo's Lady. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and that's all they knew about her. So they're... They're pretty sure this is a homicide. They're investigating it as a homicide. And the grass looks disturbed, so they're pretty sure she'd been dragged to the area. But they they weren't really sure because there was no, like, tr- blood trail. It was hard to tell if the blood had just soaked into the ground under her or what. So yeah. they questioned the couple that had found the body. 
and called the police. And it was pretty obvious that couple was just fucking traumatized and had no idea who she was and was really upset that they found a dead body on their date. So they released them. (laughs) That would just, that would be a shitty date. Like, find a dead body. Yeah. And I watched like a reenactment and it was like, they cast a really beautiful young couple and it was like, oh, this is like a first date. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it bonded them together and they got married. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> so they are like, who is this woman? And they found a couple cigarette butts like around the walking trail and the parking lot. And they found a lighter. But again, it was a pretty popular hiking path so who knows who those were they collected them and sent them for dna testing and stuff but who knows if those long shot yeah exactly and it was going to be weeks before they found anything from them anyways they didn't find any weapons nothing like that and it seemed like a really dumb spot to drop a body because it was super popular and it was literally just a couple feet off of a walking trail so it's like Okay, who would do that? asking to, like, the body, whoever put the body there wants the body to be found. Yeah, but at the same time, it was really close to the interstate, so it made for a quick getaway. Uh, So it's like, the body's gonna be found quickly, but you could be really far away by the time they found it. Yeah. Who knows? So they're like, okay, we're not gonna figure anything out until we figure out who this person is. Right. And they searched missing people files, and there was no one even remotely near this age range and a female missing recently. And they knew she hadn't been dead for very long, so there was nothing off of the missing people's report. Um, They searched missing, or I'm sorry, they searched nearby security camera footage from all like the local gas stations and stoplights and stuff like that and trying to see if they could find anything that would be helpful and they didn't find anything suspicious off those so they were just coming up empty so they were like okay let's do the autopsy and try and figure out exactly how she died and try and go from there so yeah the autopsy is like she's been stabbed dozens of times dozens multiple dozens Like, at least 24 times. My gosh. She was stabbed in the neck and chest. She'd also been strangled, and she'd been hit in the back of the head with a blunt-forced object. Okay. So, it seemed personal, because if it was a stranger, they would maybe hit you, and maybe choke you, and maybe stab you a couple times, but the- dozens of times makes it very personal so they're like okay this is for sure pointing to a crime oppression whoever murdered this woman probably knew her so we need to figure out who the fuck she is yeah so they're running out of options and trying to find out who she is so they release uh, pictures to the press of her tattoo that says leo's love or whatever it said, and the necklace that she was wearing, and asked that if anybody has any information about who this person is, let them know. They open a 
tip line and within a couple of hours they receive a tip that helped them identify who this person was they're like okay well at least we have an identification of this lady of leo's lady here yeah thankfully so yeah so they found her on july 2nd and on the evening of july 3rd they get a call the the investigating detectives get a call from another sergeant of a police force and he's like hey i got a call from this person they say they're a family member of your victim so they patch him through and they're like hey i'm the detective investigating this case um you recognize the pictures from that news article and he's like yeah that tattoo leo's lady that's my daughter oh fuck yeah so the man on the phone was terry and he had seen the news and he knew immediately that the tattoo he was seeing was from his daughter teresa pullman and he's an older gentleman and so the police were like, hey, Terry, come in and talk to us. So Teresa was born November 19th, 1969 in Morton, Illinois, to Terry and his previous wife, Paulette. Terry left the family when Teresa was really young and he moved to like California or Texas or something to become like a biker dude. I don't know. He wasn't a an attentive father so he left and Teresa was left to live with her mom and her sister who was like two years older than her so when Teresa was about 10 her and her mom and sister moved to Texas and her life was hectic it was not a stable home life by any means and by the time Teresa was 12 her mom was bringing her to the bars and convincing men to buy drinks for the two of them. Her and her 12-year-old daughter. Oh, that's cute. Super cute. Uh, her mom would also just, like, disappear to go do cocaine with random people. So, okay. Teresa was like, I don't want to live this way. And she ran away very, very young. Like, shortly after this, when she was a preteen. And... She ran away with a boyfriend to California, but then they broke up and she was basically just living on the streets as a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old. Her entire teenage years, she was just jumping from toxic relationship to toxic relationship. That's awful. Yeah. And she would just throw herself into these relationships because she didn't have any way of taking care of herself. She obviously never finished school. She didn't know anything else. So Teresa was struggling and jumping around and jumping into these crazy relationships that ultimately were going to fail. And who knows what kind of horrible experiences she went through. But eventually she went back to Texas and moved back in with her mother. And she was living in Texas for a while. She never finished high school, and when she was 25 years old, she found out she was expecting her first daughter with a repairman at the apartment complex they lived in. 
Oh, he was never really a part of either of their lives. So anyways, she's 25 in Texas and she, Teresa, gives birth to her first daughter, Christine, on February 7th, 1995. But Teresa, our murder victim, was undiagnosed bipolar and she was self-medicating for all these years. I mean, she's 25 at this point and she's literally been taking care of herself since she was 12 years old. Yeah, that's that'll take a toll on anybody. Yeah, so she's self-medicating and addicted to drugs and alcohol and not a great mom. So she gives birth to Christine and she moves back to Illinois and asks her extended family to help take care of her daughter. So over the next two and a half years, she's not a great mom to Christine. She has Christine when she can, and then she's with these toxic guys. And at some point during this, one of her boyfriends physically abuses Christine. Oh, heck no. Her two and a half or younger year old daughter. Fuck right off, buddy. Yeah. Um, and Christine, or Teresa's in and out of Christine's life. Like, it's literally, like, when she's sober enough and, like, <sighs> mentally so with it enough, she's there. shitty. Yeah, it sucks. And so when I hate that. Christine's, like, two and a half, her grandparents take her in. So I don't know if it's Teresa's parents or... The father's parent? I don't know exactly which grandparents took her, Teresa's daughter, well, hopefully Christina. Hopefully they're a little more stable than Teresa. I think they kind of were. So they took her in at two and a half, and when she was three years old, she got officially adopted by a family friend. Or it was a distant family member. So I think it was some sort of cousin of Teresa or something. And they adopted, officially adopted Christine. They had other kids, and they were like, we want to be your parents. We want like to raise the three-year-old in a healthy environment. Yeah. She deserves it. We love her. Whatever. So they adopt her officially. And Teresa's like, okay, I know I can't provide my kid a stable life. I give up all right. of my rights. She just accepts it. Yeah. And they're like, well, we don't want you. They're the... Rickenbach is her name. It's Tammy and Kim Rickenbach. And they're like, we don't want you to be a part of her life. And she gave up all rights at that point. Oh, wow. Because she knew it wasn't healthy. She was too young. She was unstable. She wasn't sober. So she gave up all her rights to her three-year-old, to this couple, and they raised her daughter in a healthy environment. Um, so... She didn't fight it. She let the adoption happen, and they made it clear she didn't want Teresa in Christine's life, so she let her go. She continued to struggle with addiction, and then in 2003, she met and fell in love with a man named Joel, and her and Joel, she was very quick to fall in love and be in very committed relationships, and the two of them had a son together. And Teresa really committed herself to try and be a good mom. And for a couple years, everything was great. And she was a really good mom, but she was always battling addiction. And she had 
I don't know if at this point her bipolar had been diagnosed or not yet, but at some point yeah. it was. But at this point she was still like self-medicating and even if she was diagnosed, she already was borderline like addicted because yeah. of the self-medication. So uh, she was in this committed relationship with her baby's her son's dad, but that she would go on these benders and just disappear for days on end and then come back and like beg him to take her back and he would. Oh, boy. And because he wanted his son to have a mom and all this stuff. But finally in 2008, but, ah. they broke up permanently because he couldn't handle it anymore. She would oh, just disappear good. for like days on end and then come back and just try and act like nothing happened. I don't understand how, I mean, thankfully I'm not in any situation like that, but I just don't understand how like that happens so much where yeah. there's so many people in these toxic types of relationships and they just continue to go about their lives and just separate and come back together and just like go on living life like that. I feel like and adding kids to the situation really adds times worse. an easy reason to let them back in your life. Like, well, I want my kid to have their mom, <laughs> but which is what he said constantly. Well, yeah, she's but a if good you, mom when she is sober. When she's not, yeah, but yeah, come on, yeah, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Again, yeah. like I, this is part of the reason why I still like feel like a shit bag for <laughs> this weekend because I don't know their whole story. I don't know what happened, and I should have just shut my mouth. Uh, uh, so I just, it's just hard for me to comprehend. Thankfully, because I haven't ever been in a situation to have to navigate through it. No, an addiction is fucking hard. No, I... But yeah. for the kids, it's better to not have that unstable presence in your life in the long run, I feel like. You're going to have some weird issues about your parents, but like, I think they're going to be way worse knowing your parent picks drugs over you than just not having your parent there. I don't know. Right. No, I've... It's hard I to agree. say. I don't know. He, he just really wanted his son to have a mom, so he tried to cling to it, but they were together for, gotta, like, five years, and finally it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, you gotta know when it's the when it's time to let go. Like, when it's no longer serving a purpose serving you or serving your child in a good way like well and if the person has acknowledged they have a problem but they're refusing to do anything about it you have to let go and that's way harder than like way easier said than done for sure oh 100 100 that's again why i can't i can't speak to this situation because i've never had to deal with it i just have my own opinion and I don't know both sides. I don't know all the information. So it's it's easy for me to say one thing. But Yeah, no, the story is a lot of that, that. Is that the right thing? No, maybe not. Probably I don't not. I think there's any right answer. Yeah, I I agree. It's just the personality type that's dealing with it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel awful for all the people that I feel go with this. Really and go bad for drug addicts because that's a 
unbelievably hard disease. Addiction is a disease. Yeah. It is. Oh, yes, it is 100%. I I I agree. And it's just it's hard and I mean, I have a cousin that recently died of a heroin overdose in the last couple of years and it's just like his kids deserved better. Like I have a lot of cousins who have died and or struggled with extreme addiction on yeah. one side of my family and it's genetic addiction and it apparently runs deeper in the males in my family along with the mental illness and I don't blame individuals. It takes a really strong person to overcome that. It just makes yeah. me really sad because there are obvious factors that can contribute to being able, oh, able yeah. to overcome that. 100%. But, yeah. I mean, there's lots of factors. And, I mean, you have to have the right tools, the right support system. Exactly. Like, you have to... You have to have a lot to be able to And even it. then, and you might have the don't. best support system and not be able to overcome it. But having exactly. a support system helps also. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh, weird thing. Okay. All right. So she had her son with Joel and went on her benders and finally he divorced her. So over the next year, she was still struggling and then she met this man named Nick Pullman. And they moved in together super quickly. And in 2009, they fell in love. They met, they fell in love in like January of 2009. And she was like, I'd feel more secure about our relationship if we got married. And so he was like, okay. So they started dating and moved in together in January of 2009. And by August 21st, 2009, they were married. They had briefly moved in with his parents, and then they got a place of their own, and then they got married. Unfortunately, she was still struggling with her addictions, and she would have her spirals where she would just disappear for a couple of days and then come home, and he'd agree to take her back, and she'd pretend nothing happened and everything would be great for a while. And then she would disappear for three or four days and he wouldn't know where she was or if she was okay. And then she would come back and try and pretend nothing happened. So finally he couldn't handle it anymore. And barely after a year of marriage, they were divorced. Uh. Um, and he really loved her, but he just couldn't continue condoning her behavior and she wasn't willing well, to change. Good for him. Yeah. So I watched an episode of a show and it interviewed um, Joe, the father of her son that she was with from 2003 yeah. to 2008. And he really loved her and wanted to make things work, but he couldn't put up with her behavior either. And then she yeah. left him and quickly married this guy, Nick, and it interviewed him as well. And he tried and he obviously loved her. Both of them were... they. They put on their best suits for the show. <laughs> um, they, I don't want to be judgy on their looks because they obviously very put, very much so put their best foot forward for the show. Yeah. But also seem to have their own struggles just based on their appearances. Um, well, 
I'm just glad that they were strong enough to know, like... No, they seem like decent people, and they really loved her, and they wanted her to get better, and she just couldn't with them, so they had to let her go. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't change a person. They have to... They have to change themselves. They have to want it themselves. And it's a, a self-battle that they've got to win. Um, yeah. No, unfortunately, no matter how you, much you love them. No, you can't change they someone. Have to... It has to be on them. Exactly. So, Teresa, when she was in a good mindset, she always talked about bettering herself and their relationship and the future. And she was convinced as soon as her daughter, Christine reached adulthood that she would find her because she'd been adopted out you know yeah and the adopted parents didn't want any contact with her and so she they probably went to like pretty good lengths to keep her out of her life then right no i don't think so i don't think i think legally when the adoption went through they were like you have no legal rights and she was like okay fine because yeah. she had her own struggles and stuff. Yeah. But to these other husbands and boyfriends that she had, she was like, Christine's going to find me when she's old enough. Like, we're going to have a relationship when she turns 18. But she's still struggling with addiction to this point. So it's like, yeah. Why would you want that for her? I don't know. <sighs> Anyways, so that was the one thing she like really hung on to. Her, no matter who she was with, she was like, my daughter's gonna find me one day and we're gonna be friends. Meanwhile, her daughter Christine didn't even really remember her birth mother, Teresa. Mm-hmm. She got adopted. I mean, she was with Christine or er, Teresa until she was two and a half, and then she lived with her grandparents till she was three, and then she was adopted. And she was raised in a loving family. They were like a super good family with other kids in a christian home and a normal childhood but then when christine was like a sophomore in high school one of her family members randomly told her about the abuse that had happened to her when she was a toddler yeah and hearing that flipped a switch in her i don't know which family member this was but i don't know why you would tell that to a teenager like, that's yeah, the most influential time in a person's life. Wait till they're an adult, at least. Yeah. Like, if they don't remember it, like, why, you need to figure out it? who they are before you put that shit in their head. Yeah. So she's, like, a 15-year-old, and someone's like, oh, hey, you were molested when you were two and a half. Mm, great. Thank you for- By your mom's that. boyfriend. Like, you're- your biological mother's boyfriend molested you when you were two and a half and you didn't know it. So she's like 15 and she fucking spirals hard. Like why the fuck would like, why is that? Like who, who did that? Who, why? Yeah. Nope. Shitty as hell. So she spirals and she started acting out. She started drinking She started using drugs, and at 16, she dropped out of high school. She didn't want to be around her adopted parents, so she ran away and moved in with one of her friends. And then she got pregnant when she was 18. 
So now she's like an 18-year-old single mom who never finished high school, and she's struggling through addiction and following the same path her mom did. And as soon as she turned 18, she reached out to her birth mom, Teresa, to try and build a relationship with her and get answers to the questions of like, why did you give me up? What happened? Were you forced to? Because she, they had heard these rumors and put all these thoughts in her head and stuff. So, yeah, she just wanted to get answers for herself. She was at that age. And she's, she got pregnant when she was like 16. So she already had a baby and was like living off of friends and a high school dropout. So by the time she turned 18, she contacted Teresa and was like, hey, I'm your daughter. What happened? Um, so she, they try and build a relationship because she is seen as be following the same path that her mother did. Yeah. But then in 2017, Teresa's found murdered, her mom, and police are trying to piece everything together. So they post on the news, Leo's lady or whatever, and Terry, Teresa's father, sees it he calls the cops and is like that's my daughter so the police call terry and his wife sharon in sharon is not actually Teresa's mom she's her stepmom and but they had a stable relationship at that point and so sharon knew Teresa pretty well and she was like yeah she'd been staying with us for a while um uh, we hadn't reported her missing because she told us that she was going to Bloomington, Illinois to spend some time with Christine. And they were like, well, is there like anyone that would want to hurt her or any reason Yeah, you think she'd be dead? And, um, sorry, I scrolled too far. They were like, why hadn't you reported her missing? And they were like, okay, so yeah, she has struggled forever with like addiction and stuff. She'd been dating this guy named Leo and the two of them moved in together really quickly. Things weren't going great because that's how Teresa's relationships went. Yeah. And so she was like... There's a pattern here. Yeah. And so they moved in together really quickly. We're deeply in love. She got a tattoo that said Leo's lady and then she realized like oh things aren't great so she was like I'm I'm not happy I'm gonna go hang out with my daughter for a while in Bloomington and try and figure out somewhere else to stay so he got mad about that and they got in a fight and she told her parents like me and Leo got in this big fight I'm just gonna go to Bloomington and spend some time with Christine and um, get some space, like, kind of figure stuff out. Yeah, like, let, let the steam blow off or whatever. Exactly. And so, um, police are like, okay, where the fuck is Leo? Because we yeah. know they got in a fight, and then she was found dead. So, so he's obviously a suspect. Number or one suspect. a person of interest. Yeah, for sure. Not so, they tracked down this Leo guy, and he immediately is like, yeah, I'll come talk to you. And he is like, yeah, we got in a fight. 
because she was like, I, I don't know if I'm in love with you. I need to leave for a while and spend time with my daughter. And it pissed me off because she, we've only been together a few months and she's disappeared five times for oh my gosh. days on end over the last three months. Wow. Because she's a drug addict. And so that should be your sign, buddy. Oh, yeah. And so not for you. He that and he's totally open to the cops. He's like, I loved her, but I got mad this time because she told me she was gonna leave. And it's like, okay, well, you've left five times in the last three months. Yeah. And then you just come back to me in a couple days after your bender and apologize and I take you back. And he's like, Yeah, that happened. Like we fought about it because I I just don't I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And the police were able to like trace these incidents in the last three months where she had legit left for days on end in the last three months five times. So they're like, okay, this is adding up. He's not lying to us. Yeah. She is an addict and this is happening. So she's going on these benders, disappearing and coming home and they talk to her other exes and they're like, yep, that's what she did with us. So... That's been her pattern for years and years. She just kind of disappears for days on end and then eventually comes crawling back. So Leo's completely cooperating with the police and he lets them search his phone and his car and his home. He's super emotional finding out that she died and they they're just like, it doesn't seem like this guy did it. So yeah. they track his phone for the day they found her body and the day before that. And they're like, "It, there's no way this guy did it. So they rule Leo out. And they have no reason to hold him, so they let him go. And so they try to piece together Teresa's last few days alive. And they find she'd been staying at the Days Inn in Bloomington. And there was still an active room in her name at the hotel. Like, she'd never Ooh. checked out yet. Okay. I mean, we're within, like, a day of her body being found. Or two days at this point. So, they go to the hotel. They're talking to the Days in people. And there is another room in her daughter Christine's name that was, like, right next to it. And so, they get warrants for both of the rooms and they go to the hotel and search those rooms. And Christine had already checked out of the hotel. And her room had been already been cleaned by the staff because she was checked out. Yeah. So there was nothing in that room for them to find. Because she just checked out and it had been cleaned and everything looked normal. But then they go in Teresa's room and it's full of her personal belongings because she hadn't checked out yet. So they hadn't been cleaning it. Like they would for a new stay. Yeah. And along with her clothing and personal affects, they found heroin oh. and heroin byproducts. So they did. They're pretty sure Teresa had been on heroin. So they're like, okay, this opens up our suspect pool to like every drug dealer in yeah, Illinois. Yeah, a can of worms here. Yeah, so she's on fucking hard drugs, for sure. This could be a drug deal gone wrong, or yeah, who knows what else gone wrong. 
<laughs> so plays are like great, fantastic. Um, we need to find Christine, her daughter. She was one of the last people to see her alive. She knows who she was interacting with, obviously, because they were in the rooms next to each other in the hotel. We need to find yeah. her. So they talked to like Teresa's family, and all the phone numbers they got for Christine were bad. So that fucking sucks. <laughs> they can't get a hold of Christine. They pull security footage from the hotel. And they see that on the morning of July 1st, there's Christine and Teresa at the hotel in their rooms. But there's this man that's with them. Mm -hmm. And he meets with Christine and he goes in her room. And then later in the security camera, they can see this man goes into a separate room. Uh And so they talk to the Days Inn people and they're like, who's this guy? And the hotel's like, oh, his name was Matt Engel. He checked out. And so they're like, okay, so Matt Engel, another guy we need to talk to for sure. But we need to find Christine and Matt Engel now. So um, they see he came to the hotel on July 1st and met up with Christine. And he goes into her hotel room for a while and eventually goes to his own room, all this stuff, whatever. So he's in and out of hallway footage that they're seeing. And then in the early morning hours of July 2nd, around 2.15 a.m., they see Teresa, Christine, and Matt all leave the hotel together. But then around 4.03 a.m., Christine and Matt return to the hotel without Teresa. So the police are like, okay. What happened here? Christine and Matt came back. Teresa didn't. And we know Teresa's dead. So these are the last people to see her alive. Where are they? Yeah. Um. So they found her dead on July 2nd. And they're like starting to do this research. Can't figure out who he is. July 3rd, late in the day, they released the media. Those pictures of her tattoo and necklace. Her dad's like, this is who it is. So on July 5th, they get a call from Christine. And she's like, hey, like I don't, I feel like you guys might want to hear from me. That's my mom. And they're like, like, yes, yeah, absolutely. Please come talk to us. Well, we definitely want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. So she comes in and answers their questions. So... She's crying. She's distraught. Her mom's dead, obviously. She's not in a great place. And she's like, my mom came to see me after a fight with her boyfriend, Leo. And we got rooms at the hotel so we could spend some time together. Because Christine doesn't have a super steady place to stay. So they both just got days in rooms to spend some time together. And... They're like, well, how's your relationship with your uh, birth mother? And she's like, honestly, it hasn't been great. Um, Me and my mom, I reached out to her in 2015 when I turned 18. And I wanted to build a relationship because I was struggling. But the first time we ever met up, we met at a restaurant and she showed up and I think she was intoxicated and she told me that she never wanted me and that she hated me. And then she 
it escalated and it turned physical. So the police were called and Teresa was arrested for assault. And she spent two years in prison for that assault. So Christine against her daughter? Yeah, her birth daughter. She'd had some run-ins with the law up until this point for drug stuff, but two years was her longest by far. For assaulting her birth daughter that she'd always hoped to have a relationship with. Mm. So it's pretty. Drugs are bad, okay? Yeah, exactly. Drugs are bad, okay? Okay. So Christine's telling cops this, and she's like, yeah, like, it, it was terrible, but once she got released from prison, we tried reconnecting again, and we went through a lot of phases of, like, where we'd really get along for a while, and then we'd have our fights. So they were talking to other people in Teresa's life, and they were like, yeah, her and Christine's relationship was really tumultuous, tumultuous, and they'd get along for a while, and then they'd fight, and they'd get along again. It was just up and down and up and down, because... They were both fucking teenagers, basically. Yeah. Mentally. Um, it was just a harsh pattern. So the police were like, Christine, who's Matt Isbell? We know he's the person that was with you. His name's on that other room that he was in. But, like, who is he to you? And she's like, oh, he's just one of my oldest friends. Like, nothing more than that. Um, I invited him to come hang out. On July 1st, when my mom came to town, we both got rooms at that day's inn in Bloomington. I told him to come hang out with me, and he did. We're nothing more than friends. And um, so, according to her, he came to hang out with her while she was in Bloomington, and her mom wasn't even there yet. So, they were hanging out, and then her mom shows up, and she asks them, Teresa, the mom was like, hey, can you guys bring me to a house in Hayworth, Illinois, which is, I don't know how far away, but a different city. And they did, and they dropped her off at a house in Hayworth, and she was supposed to meet up with somebody, and they just dropped her off and left. And that was the last time they ever saw her. So Hayworth is less than 10 miles away from where Teresa's body was found. So they were like, okay, that." Seems like a drug deal gone bad for sure. Yeah. So. And given her past. I yeah, mean, exactly. Um, it was probably a drug deal gone bad. So yeah. Christine couldn't give them an exact address in Hayworth. She was just like, it was like this area. I don't know. Um, then me and Matt just hung out, and um, it was late. I don't know. We hung out, and I was tired. I can't really remember. So, uh. Police were like, okay, seems legit, but like pretty vague if you can't tell exactly where it was and you didn't report your mom missing or anything like right. that. But that's not really anything. Can you tell us where Matt is? And she's like, well, this is his phone number. I don't know where he's at now. He works for this company. So they try calling him. That phone number shut down, but they are able to look him up in like the white pages at the company who she told him they worked for. And they were able to get a hold of him. So they were like, hey, do you remember what happened this night? And he's like, um, I was hanging out with Christine and her mom showed up. She seemed like she was on something and wanted us to bring her to this neighborhood. So we did. And then we left her in Hayworth. I don't know. That's all I know. And they're like, 
mm, okay, like, cool, that matches what Christine says, but, like, we'd like you to come down to the station and talk to us, because it's still yeah. pretty fucking vague. So, he agrees, and so they ask Christine and Matt to come down to the station, and it was, like, July 7th. So literally like five days after they found her, her Teresa's body, they asked Christine and Matt both to come down to the station to talk to them. And they're like, hey, we just want to ask you some more questions. And they have them in separate rooms and they go to Christine and they're like, so we got a warrant for the hotel room you were staying in at the days in. And does that make you nervous at all? that we found anything that could link you to your mother's death. And she was just like, no, I'm innocent. Yeah. I want an attorney. And they were like, okay. And so they stopped talking to her. So they were like, bye. And All right, they, we're done here, I guess. Yeah. And then, okay, wait for your lawyer. So they go into Matt's room and are like, hey, Matt. Uh... We we have surveillance photo video of you and Christine with Teresa before she was found. Um, do you know what happened that night? And so he's like, okay, well, I drove Christine and her mom, Teresa, to the nature preserve, not a neighborhood like I said before. Um, and I dropped them off because they asked me to. And then I just drove away and then I came back like 10 or 15 minutes later and when I was leaving I saw another car pulling in and so I came back and Christine was the only one there so I just assumed that other car was picked up Teresa and um that's that's it and they're like dude that doesn't make sense you just like drove around for 10 minutes instead of just sitting there and waiting like what and I wanted, I wanted to take a look at the nature preserve in my car. Yeah, totally. There was like a, there was a trail that I can drive through. Yeah. So yeah. like that doesn't make sense. Are you sure that's your story? And he was like, Are you sure? <laughs> he was like, Okay, yeah, no, you're right. So he just breaks down and he's like, Okay, so I did. Christine just invited me over to her hotel room that night and I got my own hotel room because he was just like a super loyal friend of hers. I think he was interested in her in a lot of ways, whatever. So she's like, me and my mom are staying in the Bloomington Days Inn. You should come hang out. So he goes middle of the night. He's hanging out in Christine's room and they're just like the two of them hanging out in her hotel room but then her mom Teresa shows up and she's obviously intoxicated and knowing what we know now she's probably high on heroin yeah by what was found in her room but who knows what else she was on and she's angry so Teresa was like going off about how it was Christine her daughter's fault that she spent two years in prison because she'd physically attacked Teresa or Christine at that restaurant and been arrested for it, you know? But it was Christine's fault. (laughs) So she was, like, going off on some crazy intoxicated rant about how 
It was Christine's fault she'd spent time in prison, and she was saying that she knew Christine had been doing sex work recently, and that if Christine didn't stop, she was going to call the police and report her and have her arrested for prostitution. So that's her mother telling her that she's going to have her arrested for that. So this is Matt's version of events. So Matt's like, this just infuriated Christine. Christine was going through a intense custody battle for her daughter at this point in time. And it had been really drawn out and expensive and shitty. And now her birth mother, who was a shitty person, was coming into the picture and saying that she was going to call the cops on her for sex work. And um, Was there truth to that? Was she actually a sex worker? Yes. Yeah? I think so. She was being an escort. I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. And I think she struggled with drug addiction, too. That wasn't really touched on in the thing I watched, but I assume if they were hanging out together in a hotel, they were doing drugs together. Like, that's just a really broad assumption I'm making, but I'm sure it's pretty accurate. So... Chris, Teresa, the mother, finds out Christine's doing escort work to get by, and she comes in intoxicated. She's mad at Christine this night, and she's like, I'm going to call the cops, and if you don't stop this shit, I'm just going to have you arrested, because you had me arrested, and I know know you're being a prostitute, so I'm going to have you arrested for prostitution, and I'm going to call DCFS. Department of Family, whatever. Family Services. Yeah. And tell them what you're up to. And that's that's what this mom is telling her daughter. Yeah. And she's like, you're going to lose your custody battle. And it apparently wasn't like a shouting fight. It was just Teresa coming in high or intoxicated to some extent and going off and it wasn't like a huge blow up fight so christine was just like okay like calm down like we all just need to go get some drinks so they decide at like 2 15 a.m that they need to go find some alcohol and that's Uh, when the the clothes yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know the cutoff limit in illinois but i think it's 2 a.m like everywhere so they decided to drive to a truck stop nearby that they knew of because I think they thought they'd be able to buy something there. So they go, and that's when the security footage picked the three of them leaving the hotel together at 2.15 a.m. And they go to this truck stop, and I don't think they were able to buy anything. So they leave, and they're going back to the hotel. And this is all Matt's version of what happened that night. And... He um, says that on the way back, so they went to this truck stop to see if they could buy anything. And then on the way back, um, Christine was like, I mean, yeah, Christine, the daughter, was like, I need a cigarette. Like, let's stop. Mom, help me find a cigarette. So they pull over in this nature preserve parking lot that's just like off the highway or whatever. And I think, I don't, I think they're just looking for, like, fucking butts to smoke. 
And so they get out of the car and she's like, mom, help me find, I just need a smoke real bad. So they get out of the car and the mom gets out and she, Teresa is looking at the ground and Christine, the daughter gets out of the car. She grabs a crowbar out of the bed of the truck Ah. and hits her mom on the back of the head with it. So Teresa gets hit on the back of the head. It doesn't knock her out or anything. And she just turns around and is like, what the fuck? And Christine just attacks her. She gets behind her. She gets her in a chokehold and just like chokes her until she passes out. And then she pulls her into the woods. And then a few minutes later, this is all from Matt's perspective, what he's telling the cops. And she comes back and she has a bloody knife and there's blood all over her clothes. And he just doesn't question it. That escalated very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And he just is like, okay, and drives away with her. So blood everywhere. Yeah, no big deal. So. And your mom? Where'd she go? Well, he knows, but he didn't want to question it because obviously he Uh. saw her hit her and drag her into the woods and then come back bloody with knife. So he can only assume she stabbed her mom to death. So he's just like, um, okay. And he's just like, awkward i better cooperate otherwise i'm next she's like a pretty girl and i think he was just like awkward and weirdly loyal to her in some ways i don't know so he just didn't say anything and did what she told him to do but now he's being questioned by police and immediately flips and is like this is what happened this is what where i was Probably, probably good idea for him yeah and the police are like Okay, well, like, can we even believe you at this point? And he's like, lied already. I'll tell you everything I know. So, because they're like, how do we know you weren't involved in the actual murder and now you're trying to pin it on Christine? And how do we even know you're credible? Yeah. And he's like, I don't like, I'll tell you everything. So he corroborates with them for everything. And he's like, um, this is everything that happened. And they're like, okay, well, so far it's a he said, she said, if yeah. we try and arrest you guys, because there's no hard evidence. We need something. So they show him a map and he shows them the bridge where she threw the crowbar over. And so they're like, okay. And so they go to that bridge and they find it. And so that corroborates his story. Yeah. Um, he doesn't know what happened to the knife. So they never found that. But with the rest of his story, and he immediately turned over his truck and, like, all of his belongings. He was like, search everything. This is what happened. They find blood inside the truck that matches his story. And then with the crowbar and his truck and his story, they're able to arrest her and him and um, get a warrant for all of her belongings. With that, they find a t-shirt that matches what he said she was wearing and what they saw in the security cameras. Yeah. And it was still covered in blood. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that matches up pretty fucking good. Yeah. And so everything's adding up pretty well to say that he's telling the truth. And so they get a warrant to search her text messages. And so they search Christine's text messages and they find messages to a third party. Um, so there's not a lot of articles about this story out there, but there's an episode that I watched 
that had a lot of details. So they found a lot of text messages to a third party, as it was said in this episode. I don't know who this person was, but she was going off in these text messages about how she was so sick of her mom and her mom's addiction and her mom's threats. Because her mom was, like, threatening to tell DCFS that she was an escort and her mom, her birth mother, I shouldn't even call her her mom because it's not her mom. She had, like, a good mom. But her birth mother felt like it was her fault that she went to prison for two years. Yeah. Even though her birth mother is the one who attacked her. So... She was, like, saying in these text messages how she'd had enough with of it and she wasn't going to put up with it anymore and that she was going to kill her, basically. He's Louise. And there was even a text that was, like, tonight's the night that I'm going to do it. Oh. And then after the fact, there was a text to this other third party, I don't know who it was, that was, like, I didn't pull her into the woods enough. I had to go back and move her even further. Fucking A. Yeah. So they got the text and they were like, oh, um, obviously. Like, all right, this is basically case closed. Yeah. So shit takes a while. Um, And they're, they're getting all these texts and they already have her under arrest and stuff, but they're getting all the other stuff back. They're getting the text. They're getting other people's corroboration. And then they get the DNA back on the cigarette that they'd found in the parking lot. And it matches Matt. And that confirms, because it was just in the parking lot, not where her body was found. Yeah. And it kind of confirms that his story's true. It's just another piece of evidence that's like, he's not lying. He was there. He was there, yeah. He was in the parking lot. And so it's just more evidence that like what everything he said is true yeah lines up yeah so he's under arrest and so is christine and on the day of christine's preliminary hearing she unexpectedly just pled guilty oh she's like oh fuck yeah she i don't know if her lawyers made her realize like there's no way you're beating this there's so much evidence or like, she just felt so guilty. Yeah. yeah. So no one expected it. There was no deal on the table. Nothing. They hadn't talked to her about it. They hadn't worked out any sort of deal. She was just like, yep, I'm guilty. So everyone was like, oh, okay, cool. We don't have to go to trial. Uh, case closed. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So Matt was also under arrest, but he had worked out a deal with the prosecution. Because he's the main reason they were able to even solve the case. Yeah. And everything he said added up to be true. And he wasn't actively involved. He pled guilty to 12 years for his involvement. It's quite a bit. That's a lot. But he never came forward and he knew what happened. Yeah. Yeah. He was involved. So he got 12 years. She pled guilty, and then later at her sentencing hearing, she was sentenced to 40 years in prison for first-degree murder. She was 22 years old when she was arrested, and according to her writeaprisoner.com page, she won't be eligible for parole until 2057. 
Dang. Yeah. Like, not even eligible for parole Good. until 2057. That's a long time. That is a long-ass time. It's not no parole, even. Like, it's like, nope, you're serving fucking 40 years. Oh, good. Don't fucking murder people. But I found her page on writeaprisoner.com. <laughs> Are you going to write a prisoner, Maggie? <laughs> no, but I'm going to read you her page. <laughs> she has these, like, cute, sexy photos of her as her picture. There's two of them. It, like rotates back and forth between these two pictures. They look different than her um, actual, like, prison picture and her younger, skinnier, cuter. I don't, like, I'm like, who put up this page for her? But she's, like, biting. She's, like, I'll put up this one for our social media page. But she's, like, "Uh," and it's, like, definitely before she got arrested that she took this picture. It's just weird. This is a thing. So this is what her writeaprisoner.com page says. And apparently you get a subscribe. Like, I don't know if you have to pay to subscribe or what. And you have to have somebody else do it for you. I don't know. But there's two pictures of her. And they're definitely before she was incarcerated. And she definitely wrote this. But it says, like, the dates that her page is active on this site. So I think she had to pay to have it up for a year. And it's only going to be up until fucking like April of 2022 or something. And if you sign up for the site, you can write her emails and the site will print them off and mail them to her. I don't know. Whatever. Interesting. So this is what her page says. Hey, my name's Christine, but I like to be called Chrissy. My birthday was February. Was. That's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's not anymore because she's in prison. My birthday was February 7th. I'm in Aquarius. It's winter time. My favorite season. I love snow. I love how the first snowfall is so pure. I'm doing my best to enjoy this time of year and have good holidays despite my circumstances. Because holidays are my favorite. Crisp- Christmas being my absolute favorite holiday. Uh-huh. Okay. Reading is a big thing for me. It gives me a break and lets me into a whole other world. I really enjoy poetry. Also, Tim Burton is my favorite film director. I am in love with A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, boy. It's one of my favorite stories. I love music. It kind of helps me to center myself and relax. I'm really into all kinds of music. I like fast-paced music. And Lindsay Sterling is the best. The woods are my calm place. I absolutely love nature and being surrounded by it. I love tattoos, makeup, and piercings. I enjoy meeting new people and getting to know others. Uh, That's her profile. Um, You can scroll down and see, like, when she was incarcerated and the soonest point that she'll be released, which is 1957. So um, you can also see if she's straight or not. 
and if she's single or not, and if she's looking for religious affiliations, which she's not. Um, it's really fucking weird. I don't know. But if you want to write to her, this lady, fucking go free, I guess. That's um, weird. I think she's definitely looking for, like, a sugar daddy. Oh, yeah, for sure. With the photos. Yeah. yeah. And they're, like, biting her thumb and, like, uh, young yeah. and, like, not what she looks like anymore, even. And she's not going to be released for 30-plus years at this point. So, we'll see. Yeah. It's weird. But if you go to writeaprisoner.com and look up Christine... Uh, no, I forget her last name. Um, Roush. Roush. R-O-U-S-H. Yeah. But please don't give her your money. Uh, Yeah, you probably shouldn't. You can spend less money on actual sex workers that will give you sexual favors. Unlike this girl who can't for 30 more years. So uh, yeah. that's the story. Of Christian, I feel bad for her because she did have a rough childhood when she was very, very young. Uh, but yeah, she had but... a very stable home for most of her, her childhood and loving parents that really wanted the best for her for her teen years. Yeah. And she just kind of spiraled. And then even after the first time she met her mom, her biological mother, and she attacked her physically and was arrested and sent to prison for two years she still was trying to build a relationship with this woman and then got to the point where she snapped allegedly yeah uh, spoiler alert the show i watched was snapped oh, but okay. i don't this doesn't seem like a snap situation it seems planned out because she was texting people beforehand yeah and it wasn't in the heat of an argument that she did it it was like she was just led her to a nature yeah. preserve and then attacked her and used other people to do it. So I don't think it was a snapped situation. I don't know. And then even after she was arrested, her ex who had custody of their child had to file a restraining order against her because she Ooh. was being so crazy. So I, I do think Teresa was not a great mom. And she obviously struggled with addiction her entire life, but she didn't deserve what happened to her. Yeah, no. It's just a really sad story all around. Yeah, that's rough. And I don't know, like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, rough one for sure. Yikes. But, um, I mean, I didn't see that coming. I, like, I can't, I can't say I didn't see you. I, I didn't see her daughter being the murderer yeah with all the shitty relationships and drug stuff you wouldn't think that would be her she definitely lived a risky lifestyle if you do it on the like uh scale of what people in the crime field deem risky lifestyle behaviors yeah and being a drug addict puts you up on the list and being promiscuous puts you up on the list but it being your kid that does it to you is definitely a shocker for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Ugh, yeah, and I mean, it could have been avoided if like they didn't want to try and have a relationship. Honestly, it sucks they did. It sucks when Christine was uh, 
Chrissy was a teenager. Someone in her family decided that they needed to tell her that she'd been abused by her mom's boyfriend when she was a two-year-old. And just kind of caused her to spiral because that's the most damaging time in your life to learn that information. Yeah. So she probably just got the thoughts in her head at that point and was like, fuck this lady. And that's probably the moment that she knew that she was going to kill her mom. I mean, maybe. I mean, she was doing well in school and stuff. And then up to that point, she just dropped out. She started doing drugs. Like it was just like made her question everything about herself. And as a teenager, you're so insecure anyways. Yeah. That's just a really hard time to learn that information. I feel like why do you need to tell that to anyone if they don't remember it? Unless they ask or if they're an adult and then they ask. Yeah, at the right time. I mean, I guess there is no... No, if they ask, tell them. If they don't ask, like... Why Why do they need to know that information? I don't know. Yeah, I think she knew she was adopted even. She didn't know she, she didn't need to know that she was sexually abused. No. If she didn't remember it. Unless she was having weird feelings about it and like kind of remembering without really remembering, then maybe okay. Right. I don't know. That's a fucking rough one. But her mom sucked, but she didn't deserve to be murdered either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for half the day today, I thought I was doing Idaho, and I'm glad I didn't just research an Idaho story. Oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't. So Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, I think, is next week. I think that is correct. All right. We'll see you guys next week. If you like what you heard, like us and rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever the Apple version of podcasting is. Or just like comment on Facebook or like start a Reddit page for us. I don't know. If you listen, we really would like to know it because we haven't got any feedback in like seven months. So from strangers, like only people we know are like, oh, we listen. It's fine. So if you're a stranger and you listen to us, just like really reach out because it would Make us want to keep going. Um, Love you guys. Bye. Bye.